on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We remember the big dog daddy, Toby Keith, and discuss Jay Nunez leaving OU and football guys talking basketball. We break down OU's win over BYU and the Thunder's loss to the Jazz, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. May you rest in peace. Our man Toby Keith will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's Friday, we're getting to down to the river in the back of Fred's truck. Remember that one time you said it was so right. Go get juice down by the river bed tonight. See, it's late now, and I gotta get you home. Your mama don't like me, and you being alone. I asked you a couple of times, you said it was all right. It's a beautiful Wednesday, February 7th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if your business wants to advertise on the podcast, please email us at theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com. Ted, I wish we could start with happy news. But unfortunately, and we'll get to OU's big win over BYU and hoops, but unfortunately, we we lost an absolute legend this week. Man, it made me sad to see that Toby Keith passed away. Yeah, yep. Absolutely hated hearing the news. Um, gosh, I don't know if there's a bigger Sooner fan out there. Um, massive supporter of of the athletic programs, hoops, football, familiar face at, at all of the events. Uh, never surprised if you're walking around the facility or something and come around a corner and there's Toby Keith right there hanging out. Uh, very sad. My favorite part about him, and I know that you and him had become kind of boys over the years. I I think my favorite part about it was he just acted like a regular fan, like the rest of us, even though he was a world famous country star. And every time I saw him, whether it was just somewhere in Oklahoma or at a game, uh, I'm going to miss the, 
the chats on the sideline, but he always had something he wanted to talk about when it came to OU football. Always. And he was he was completely dialed in to what was going on with the Sooners, whether that was complimentary or not so complimentary. And that's that's what made it fun is you know, everyone knew who he was, but he really just wanted to talk about the team like everyone else. And I, I always appreciated that about him. Yeah. I it was funny yesterday we had Brian Bosworth on the radio show to to talk about Toby a little bit and like this is how you know you are like a mega superstar is whenever Brian Bosworth, one of the most famous football players of all time, was like, you know, he was just a normal person like the rest of us. And it's like, no, Boz, you're not like the rest of us. But that's, you know, you got like, there's levels to like fame and Toby Keith is at the top of, of the level. So uh, just an awesome dude. You know, I I don't know that I've, uh, which I haven't been around many people of of that type of fame, but he is one of the most approachable people you could ever see. Um, and the stuff that he did, and I know everyone knows him for for the music, obviously. And around here, we know him for being a a Sooner fan and on the sideline and stuff. But uh, what he's done charity wise is incredible. Um, so lost a, a, a fantastic human. Do, and you don't have to share it if you don't want to. Do you have any really good Toby Keith stories? I mean, you've known the guy for a long time. Um, not, not a bunch of, not, no, I'll just, I do, but I maybe I'll share them at some point. I figured that would be that would be the case. I was thinking of you know times that I had hung out with them after games, and especially bowl games. Like you'd walk into the hospitality suite, there he is, just standing there, ready to talk about the game. But yeah. I think the most appropriate story is after the LSU Peach Bowl. And about my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. We all were very sad after that game. Now they go on to win the national title. That's a really good LSU team. But, and I remember it so vividly. I, I walk in to the team hotel after the game, and I'm just thinking, I need a drink immediately like that was not fun and i walk into the team hotel and who was the first person i saw toby keith standing there pissed off just like the rest of us sad just like the rest of us he doesn't even say anything and he just hands me two beers (laughs) and we sit we stood there complaining about everything under the sun for 20 straight minutes. And my wife was just standing there laughing at us, saying that we were whited like babies. We sounded ridiculous. But that's <laughs> the type of fan he was. And it was this it was this necessary venting session 
for me. And it was so funny. I was in my head. I was thinking, man, I really need to drink. And he was just standing there with beers for me. And I, I'll, I'll never forget that. We yeah, were not very I, complimentary of the defense, by the way. Now I will say this now, the, the first time I had ever really, I guess I didn't really even meet him, but really saw him is he got on the bus to the stadium one time for a game. And this is, this would have been 2003. And so you, you're at the hotel, you meet, you kind of go through your last, um, last checks you go through your quick little test right there in front of the whole team and then you watch a little highlight video whatever then you get on the bus and you go to the stadium and defense at the time was on bus one coach stoops rode on bus one and we get on and there's toby keith gets on and you know it's the bus from the hotel to the stadium before the game is dead quiet dead serious there's not a peep on there and toby's on there and i we're like approaching the stadium and his phone starts ringing and i don't think coach stoops knew who it was but he like turns and toby had already like shut it off and coach stoops turns around and is like turn the phones off <laughs> started screaming i was like i was kind of laughing to myself because i was right i was in like the front seat over here coach stoops is right here and, and toby keith was like two seats behind him and i kind of watched the whole thing unfold it's pretty funny <laughs> turn it off i don't care how famous you are that's amazing. pretty good i it makes me sad because the last time i saw him on the sideline he comes up to me. He's like, Hey man, why haven't you had, had me on the podcast yet? I want to talk some ball. And I said, dude, I didn't, I, I didn't want to bug you. I, I don't want to ask. Like, I like our, the way that our relationship works. You don't ask anything for me. I don't ask anything from you. Like we just get to, we get to hang out. It's great. And he said, I want to come on that damn podcast and talk some football. I said, Hey, whenever you want, but he said, Hey, when I'm feeling a little better in the off season, we'll do it. And unfortunately, yeah. Never and now absolutely a regret of mine not pressing him to uh come on here and talk some ball, but I I was thinking about this and I threw it out there for on Twitter for our call your shot, Ted. Just how should OU football honor Toby Keith? We got a ton of responses, but what what do you think the best way, the appropriate way is for the program? to honor him man that's a good question because he's done a lot for the program not just been a like a super fan like a someone everyone knows is a big oklahoma supporter like he's done a lot of things to support the program um i mean i i don't know what they're going to do yeah basketball huge hoop supporter um you know i know we we've there's long been the conversation about like what do we do in the stadium to get get the feeling right get everyone going 
And it seems like there's been a, like, we never could figure it out. No one could ever agree until now. It feels like everyone agrees. Yeah, we're, we need to do a Toby Key song for sure. 100%. So which song? Because everyone, it's it. You're thinking in between the third and fourth quarter, right? Leading into right. the fourth quarter, get the people going, get the get the vibes right. You can't do should have been a cowboy, even though that. Let's be real, that song <laughs> is a banger, straight up banger. But I think there would be a little pushback, and I I don't know about you, I wouldn't mind that at all. I, I don't think that. I mean, Bedlam's dead. Who cares? That song gets people going, but probably not the one you want to go with. What do you think? Probably How Do You Like Me Now. Yeah. That's that's a good one. That was, um, you know, we had Coach Stoops on, and he was talking about that was kind of the anthem of the, the national championship season. He came and performed it at the national championship celebration there in the stadium. So. That's the one that I would go with. There's a bunch of good options, though. You may not have to do the same one every time. You got you got plenty. Depend on uh, like what maybe you need to change the feeling in the stadium, or maybe it's a cel- celebration uh, type of moment at that point. You never know. There's you've got one to fit pretty much every every scenario. I think it's got to be. How do you like me now? There's a couple football references in that one as well, which helps. But that, who's your daddy? Would you just the the chorus? That would be fun hearing an entire stadium sing that, especially if you're just routing the other team. Mm-hmm. But I've always been particularly fond of Beer for My Horses. It's just a great song. <laughs> but I I think I think How do you like me now has to be the choice, right? I think so. That's that would that would be my my first choice, I think. So we got a lot of responses. This one comes from Tim Sanders. Uh, we asked how to uh, how to how OU football specifically should honor Toby Keith. I like this from him. Red Solo Cup with TK initials painted it midfield for the spring game this year. Well, that's another thing I was thinking is at all of OU athletic events where they sell uh beer shouldn't all the beer be served in a red solo cup feels right all draft all draft beers go in a red solo cup yep i don't i don't know the pricing of that i don't know if the difference between purchasing red solo cups and purchasing the clear ones but I I got a i got a feeling that red solo cup would probably like to be involved with that at a discount price I I think you're they, right. They owe a lot to that man in that song, I think. I, <laughs> Whoever owns that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim also added, same design on the 25-yard line opposite the SEC logo next year. That'd be pretty I, – I think if you did it for the spring game, like a red solo cup on the 25-yard line to each side with a TK in it, that would look pretty dang cool. And then he also added, play How Do You Like Me Now? After big wins for all sports and red solo cup sing along to start the fourth quarter at home football games. 
I, I don't know. Would, would Red Solo Cup work heading into the fourth quarter? I guess it depends on how the game is going. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like if you got a cel- celebratory mode going on at the at the moment, then then probably. Um, now, I guess it always works. Uh, what's the better sing-along? I mean, that's really what you want, the better sing-along, isn't it? I think. You, if you display the lyrics, there's no doubt that "How Do You Like Me Now" is going to get a bigger pop. It just the it it goes a little harder than "Red Solo Cup," in my opinion. With when you think about the the energy you're trying to create in the stadium, yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's just a it's a faster, up more up tempo song, and that's it's kind of got that like the sing-along moment, the drop there, everyone knows. And yeah, I think that's probably right. It's probably like one of those where you could, they could hit the button and play it as soon as you cross the goal line going in for a touchdown too is pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could do with it. Yeah, I'm sure that Joe Castiglione and Joe Harris, I'm sure that they are collecting ideas and they'll have them ready for the spring game, and then they'll there will be something. I would be shocked if there is not some permanent staple, Toby, like a Toby Keith related permanent staple for OU football games moving forward. Totally I'd be shocked. So uh, this other one came from OG Slacker. He said a helmet sticker is the obvious easy answer. And then he said, in my opinion, how do you like me now? Should be played prior to the Sooners running onto the field. From today until Jesus Christ returns. <laughs> Running right. onto the field would be good, but I, I do think that third to fourth quarter transition is where most people are thinking that it makes the most sense to play something. I agree. I agree. I like it. Not an easy transition. May the big guy rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little about a staff change for OU. Special teams analyst Jay Nunez, when let's be real, he was the special teams coordinator. You can say that he couldn't coach on game day. We all know how some of these things work. He was the special teams coordinator. He's leaving OU to be the special teams coordinator for Alabama. Uh, this was first reported by Parker Thune. And what, what do you make of this, Ted? Big deal, not a big deal. I know that you have been, let's go with, frustrated with the special teams performance for the Sooners over the last couple of years, especially the 2023 season. So what was your reaction to this? Um, I, I, I guess I, it's not a big deal. Um, I, it would be a big deal if special teams had been a massive weapon for us and a difference maker in a bunch of football games and we're losing someone who had a heavy hand in that to go to Alabama and I'm not suggesting that he he's not a good special teams coordinator or analyst it's just that frankly special teams have been more of a a, a cause for losses than they have a cause for wins and that's not good. And I know that, you know, you can look at some of our special teams, like 
efficiency numbers where they figure out like who won the special teams battle by field position and a bunch of different metrics. And whenever you do that, it hasn't been all that bad. But I think we all know that we have to get better on special teams. We got to make field goals. We got to, you know, we we, we got to stop making mistakes. Some of them are small, but everything matters in a football game. And we've lost a lot of close close ball games. So um, it's a it's somewhere where we could definitely see improvement. I, I I was interested in what some of the the nerd stats for OU special teams looked like. So I went and looked at our buddies, our buddy Bill Conley's SP plus rankings, and he does, you know, you get an overall SP plus ranking, you have offense, defense, and then he spits out a a, a special teams metric as well. So OU finished 17th overall in SP plus ranking this season. Sooners were 8th on offense, 38th on defense, 94th in special teams. So when you talk about the weakness of the football team, according to the nerd stats, special teams was a glaring weakness, was a clear weakness for the football team and dove a little deeper They've got some interesting categories. One is field goal value. OU was 115th in field goal value. They were 67th in punt efficiency, 30th in kickoff efficiency, 113th in punt return efficiency, and 86th in kick return efficiency. I say all of that to say, it wasn't where it needs to be. It's not close. I don't understand how how that's possible. And I don't know where the disconnect is because I, I know the head coach values it. I know they spend a lot of time practicing it. Like the field goal situation, okay. You got one guy. All right, we haven't had at least that that I can tell field goal protection issues. We've had putting it between the upright issues. Like there's not a lot you can do about that as a team. You either got a guy that can put it through the uprights or you don't. But everything else, like that is though it's effort, it's attention to detail, it's focus. It's consistency. It ain't that hard. It's not easy, but everyone's out there doing the same job. Every team is trying to accomplish the same thing. I, at a minimum, your special teams ranking should mimic your roster ranking in college football, right? And we don't have the 94th best roster in college football there's no reason at all all of those metrics throw out field goal value if you want to there's no reason all those metrics shouldn't be in the top 25 completely agree but now that Nunez is moving on what now and when it comes to special teams in college football it's always a group effort for the coaches, 
right? The assistant coaches, they all get broken up and they each, you know, a couple guys get a phase of special teams. It isn't like the NFL where you've got one guy, you've got a special teams coordinator and then a special teams co- like assistant that get in the room and they're the only voice in the room. That's not how it works in college football. So is this a situation where Zach Alley comes in and, and remember he was, he was the co-special teams coordinator at B- Boise state a few years back. Is that a situation where he comes in and you think he has a big, big time role on special teams? Or could this be a thing where Zach Alley is more involved with the defense and the head football coach says, I got it. I'll handle it. Like, what What do you think it looks like? It, I think it could be either one of those or both of those um, where Zach Alley's a, a much bigger part of it and Venables is a much bigger part of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it was when you were playing, but whenever I was there, Bob Stoops ran on his own, ran the punt return team. Um, you know, so I, it wouldn't be shocking to me if Venables, uh, took over a unit or maybe whatever unit maybe was the worst, or they feel like they can improve the most. Maybe he takes over that one, but I don't know. You know, a lot of it honestly is you can blame the transfer portal for special teams because instead of playing the best players on special teams, you're reduced to playing guys that you need to get on the field, right? To make sure that they're involved. So they are, are not guys that want to transfer because they're standing on the sideline nonstop. And listen, I I'm, I'm for putting young guys out there on special teams and, you know, getting them geared up, making sure that they're dialed in for a football game. Like if you're going to a football game and you're not on any units, you don't start on any units, you don't prepare the same. I mean, it's just, it's, it's how life works. And, you know, I don't know. And I know that there are some starters that play special teams, but I wish I could point and say what the problem is. I don't know. It's probably a combination of a bunch of things, but it absolutely has to get better. I mean, look at how many close football games that we've lost over the last two seasons. And can you point directly at special teams as a, as a reason in all those? Yes, not in all of them, but in, in all of them, it was definitely a factor. So it's got to get better. Well, how whatever combination they can land on to get get better performance, they got to find it. And you think about what what life in the SEC looks like for Oklahoma. You you cannot lose the special teams phase. You just can't. Some of these teams that you're playing, you are going into a league where other teams have a more talented roster than you. That has not been the case for a very, very, very long time around here. And if you go and and you're playing Bama or you're playing Georgia, whoever, you're playing Tennessee, you're playing Ole Miss with all the guys they've brought in, you lose the special teams phase, you're going to lose the game. 
special teams has to be a weapon for this program. And it has to, it has the attention to detail, the effort that it just has to be better. They can't be the team that muffs punts. No, they can't make uh, They can't be the team that makes easy chip or that misses easy chip shot field goals. They can't be the team that blocks guys in the back and it results in a 15-yard penalty that backs them up and changes how you have to call plays. They cannot make those mistakes. They can't rough the punter. They can't give up fakes for huge plays for the opponent. And you and I, we've been out to practice. They spend a ton of time on teams, Mm -hmm. a ton of time. Got to get better results, especially with what what life looks like now for this program in the SEC. Special teams has to be a weapon. It, it, it cannot be the weakness of the football team. It's too easy. You have too many. You have too good of athletes, too good of players for it to be a weakness like it has been. I mean, and it's just. I mean, the frustrating thing is. It's really a, a good gauge for how smart of a football team you have. Smart football teams have really good special teams. Why? Because it's it's also situationally driven, right? It's it's field position, it's details, like that's what drives special teams. And this year, as many experienced players as we have coming back, it's a veteran-led football team. It, it special teams absolutely has to be a strength force. Completely agree. All right, let's move on to football guys talking basketball. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. And celebrate with the Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Sooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma-owned company founded by former Sooners. Their mission statement is, we exist to give generously, and they've given millions away in product and donations to nonprofits all over the state and all over the country. Simple Modern is a great company with a great mission, and their products are also the perfect swag for any small business owner. You can customize tumblers, water bottles, and coffee mugs to give your current or potential customers. They will love the quality and how trendy they are. Check them out at simplemodern.com. 
com. Football guys talking basketball. FGTB. Nice win for Oklahoma against BYU. Ted, 82-66. to 66. That was a heck of a bounce back, man. Had to have it. You know, it's it's interesting, you know, just watching the, the Kansas State-Kansas game on Monday night, just it, it gave some perspective to me as I was watching it about, I, I know there's been some panic with the Hoops team. We went into K-State and beat that team by 20. Same same team, same crowd, and Kansas comes to town and K-State beats them. It just, everything is so close in this conference. I, you feel like at times you're terrible and you're a million miles away. And then, you know, the next night you get a nice win over a top 25 team. It's, it's a reminder that I, I think we're maybe much better than we feel like at times. So last night was definitely something they needed. Shot the ball. Well, hit some threes. Um, you got what you needed out of, uh, We'll call him. It's been a while since he put together a really nice scoring night. And uh, it was one of the more efficient games that he's had recently. You got good play from from several different guys. That was a that was a much needed effort. No doubt about it. And I was I think the thing that I was most impressed with was just how they finished the game. Last 10 minutes of the second half. I mean, that was a back and forth game up to that point. And I mean, it was a tie tie game at half. The defense, it felt like the defense really went up a notch late. And in the moment where you're at home, maybe you start feeling the pressure with how close the game was. I, I thought that OU played its best basketball under that pressure. And that that was encouraging. They did a really nice job of contesting all the threes for BYU. BYU, they they can shoot. Man, but I, I thought that they also did a really nice job of not fouling. BYU didn't shoot a ton of free throws, so I thought the defense was really solid. And then it was really good to see Uzan play well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought that he played at a really high level. He's so talented, and he's got to bring that type of energy and, and that level of play with the confidence he was playing with. He, he just got to play like that more often. What, 16, yeah. 5, and 4? I don't think he turned it over at all. Was running the show, looked really good. I, uh, I thought he played one of his best games in quite in, in quite a while. And then you mentioned McCollum. Life's good when you get to the free throw line and hit your free throws, man. Yeah, eight eight for eight from the line for him, and uh, did a nice job. I didn't shoot the three particularly well, but I I thought. Now, I saw some people complaining about how many threes OU shot. A lot of them are good looks, man. You got you to shoot those shots in college basketball. That's all they practice. It's not all they practice, but they practice it a lot. When you're open from the three-point line, you got to take the shots. And I, I thought the, the confidence those guys were shooting them with, I, I love seeing it. Shoot all the threes, boys. I'm all for it. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I... You got to be able to hit wide open looks, you know, and in college hoops, 
it's such a different game than the NBA that it's rare that guys miss wide open looks in the NBA, but in college, it's like that's the separation between good teams and bad teams. It's like if you can hit the open looks, you're going to have a good team. If you can't, it's going to be tough whenever you get down to it. So you got to fire away. Some of their best games that they've played this year is whenever they were hot from three. And you can't be hot from three if you don't fire away. I'm I'm with you. It's not like the half-court offense generates a bunch of really good looks and wide-open drives to the basket anyways. So if you're getting good wide-open looks at three, you got to take them. Yeah, and it's been a while since OU's beat a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. So that, that is good for the old resume, and it had to feel good for those players, especially with the way that they finished the game, with how tight that game was. You know, to end up winning by by 16 had to feel really good. A uh, couple more thoughts on that game. Uh, number one, BYU probably didn't have a chance with the guitar and the hat and the solo cup sitting in Toby Keith's normal seat. I had a buddy, I had a buddy text me and said, "Yeah, normally I emotionally hedge against OU." in this situation, but I saw that guitar and max bet, max bet on the suitors, (laughs) which was pretty funny. Yeah, that was cool. You knew something like that was coming. And, um, you know, I I thought Porter Moser, the, the statement he put out was, was excellent about Toby Keith and how made him feel like they were longtime friends, um, you know, right from the get go. Uh, that was that was cool. That was, that was one we needed to get in that moment. My favorite part was, he said, I wish it was more than just water in this cup. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was awesome. But Traore, the guy from BYU, killed him. Killed him. Big game. Sooners didn't have answer for him. He's one of those guys, Ted. What's he look like in pads? Yeah. <laughs> What's he look like with the helmet on? I want to know. He's listed. I went and looked it up. He's listed at 6'6", 240. If that guy's 240, okay, no chance. Yeah. I mean, there's no, that, yeah. that dude is, he's thick. And I, I was really impressed with him. He's had a couple of really nice games for them this season. But come on, young man. The future is on the gridiron. Let's go. Let's get this guy in pads. What are we doing? Yeah, there's, there's like a, there has to be a, a moment where you feel like, okay, I'm good at this, but the standard of getting into the league is so difficult that, you know, maybe I could go show up, show some things in the NFL. I mean, there's been guys that don't have a lot of experience and show up and just kind of check the boxes on the, on the physical list, on the, on the uh, measurables, and he looks like he'd be one of those guys. He looks like one of those guys where he's working really, really hard to keep the weight down. Traori, I think that's how you say it, Traori. I'm here to tell you. Come, come to the football side of things and let that weight go up. Just let it balloon a little bit. Maybe we see what the past sets look like. I'm just saying. The athleticism's there. The footwork's there. there. Just need a little molding, a little ball of clay. Turn yeah, him into an offensive run, tackle. Five or six miles a day on the basketball court. He may he may get up to 275 before you even know what happened. 
Just say it. I I always have my eye on those 75 guys. 75 every night and make his way down to 240. <laughs> That's probably where he already is. <laughs> yeah. Got to win Bedlam on Saturday night, man. Have to. And Norman, what, Porter is one and four against Oklahoma State? Oklahoma During State is a downturn. Yeah. They they do not have a good basketball team this season. You have to win that game if you're Porter Moser. Absolutely have to win that game. No, no excuses. He knows it. That team knows it. You gotta get the win in that one. Oh yeah. I there's there's no excuses for that. I I maybe there's a lot of pressure because of what the record has been because of how bad you need the wind. You need to stockpile these while you have a chance because this last run schedule wise is not easy. And I mean, they're firmly in the tournament right now, but Houston, Kansas, Baylor, you've got really tough games coming up. And when you're at home against the last place team in the conference, I mean, what are we talking about? You got to win that. There's, there's no there's no way to justify losing the game. And that's a that's not a good spot to be in. I understand that, but it's just where we are. No doubt. And we'll I, I would expect a, a really solid crowd for that one, just with you know everything that's going on with the program. So I I'm looking forward to watching that game, but gotta win it if you're Porter Moser and the Sooners. Okay, moving on to the Thunder. A bit of an unexpected thriller on Sunday night <laughs> with a tanking Toronto team. <laughs> All of a sudden, you looked up and the Thunder were down 23 to the tanking Raptors. Now, end up winning in double overtime, but went to Utah on Tuesday night and got beat 117-124 uh, and played well early. You know, really the first nearly three quarters, I thought that they looked really, really good, but the Thunder were rolling, and then the Jazz dominated the last few minutes of the third quarter, and it was just a back-and-forth battle in the fourth from that point on. And credit to the Utah Jazz, man. The, the shot-making in the NBA is insane. Because I was watching the OU game, and just that game had just ended, and you were watching this. It's like a different sport. It really it is. is. It is. These NBA guys, but the Jazz just hit. So many big shots in the last couple of minutes. Uh, credit to Keontae George and Laurie Markinen. They hit somewhere. I just went, damn, okay. Credit to you. They're sometimes you play great defense. These guys are just incredible at putting the ball in the basket. They are. And I, you forget it looks so easy at times that I I understand defensively, people say they don't play defense in the NBA. Well, they do in clutch moments. They do, you know, in the last couple minutes of quarters, last couple minutes of the half or of the of the game. And then, obviously, once you get into playoff basketball or it's really getting to, getting to that, you know, qualifying for the playoffs and everything, that's whenever you start to see it. You forget sometimes that everyone on the floor is like 6'10 and above and, like, it's just, it's just crazy with with the the ball handling, step back threes with someone's hand in your face. It's crazy. So 
some of the let's go with frustrating things about this performance for the Thunder. You hit, you know, I mean, you shoot 51% from three, you hit 19 threes and you lose. That's not good. Uh, I think that they continue to struggle with size. Markinen and John Collins just killed them. They got absolutely pounded on the boards, gave up 19 second chance points. I'll just be real. They got pushed around a little bit by the strength of some of the guys from the Jazz. But with that being said, there there continue to be some positive things. And there are a couple things in this game I really liked. Good seeing Jalen Williams back on the court. Now, there were a couple moments where he did not look completely back physically. But the way that his shooting has developed is just... I mean, it is fantastic. Pull-up jumpers, catch and shoot. He just, he's shooting the ball with so much confidence. And it feels like Chet Holmgren is too now. There was about a month ago, it looked like some hesitation had creeped in for him when it came to pulling the trigger on some of these threes. I I don't know if anyone tracks this, but I bet he led the league in pump fakes from the three-point line. <laughs> Actually, someone definitely tracks that. They track everything in the NBA. Yes, these days. They do. But I, I thought that, you know, he was looking hesitant for a while shooting the three. And it looks like that hesitation is gone. Went four for six in this one. Was four of ten against Toronto. Was three of six against the Hornets. I think he was three of four the game before that. He's found, I think he's found a rhythm and a confidence shooting the three, which you think about how that opens things up for them offensively. If he's going to shoot the three at a 40% clip, good luck keeping Shea Gilgis-Alexander in front of you with all that space on the floor. Good luck, teams. I mean, there's just... Shea's very good at basketball. This just... (laughs) Yeah, well, it's... You're right. I mean, the... I mean, just it goes back to shot making. If, If you got both... Jalen Williams and Chet and all those guys continue to get better and better. And like you say, stretch the floor. It just, it makes the most dangerous player that much more dangerous as everyone else brings their game up. So you're good stuff rolling, man. I just, my, my one thing is because you mentioned the, like the physicality and stuff. And I, I just, I wonder as it gets more physical in the playoffs, like if that's going to be a glaring weakness, you know, you, you have to assume it's going to be. Yeah. That you don't really, I mean, it shows up from time to time in the regular season, but in the playoffs, it's probably going to be a night after night thing. I, I, I'm not worried about Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and the physicality. He's just, no one can stay in front of the guy for the most part. I mean, there are very, very few guys in the league that can guard him. The The thing that when you start thinking about the playoffs and what it could look like, the rebounding is definitely a concern. And that's that's the main reason you're seeing every NBA podcast, whether it's Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, J.J. Reddick, Zach Lowe, all of them are our buddies over at Down to Dunk. Everyone's tried to figure out what big guy the Thunder can bring in to help take some of that pressure off Chet? Like, what big physical body they could bring in? And 
there's just not many there's not many options. I mean the Thunder have all the pick in the world all the picks in the world and we'll see if they make a move trade deadlines tomorrow. We'll see if they make a move but I, if if all of those people that are really that are the most dialed in people when it comes to the NBA if they can't figure out the trade I don't know how we're supposed to head we're just we're just a couple dumb football dudes. Yeah, I hey, I'll let them deal with that and you know, it wouldn't shock me if they just roll with what they got and, you know, they've got so many assets whenever it comes to draft time and I don't know. Their window right now looks like it's so long that maybe you don't feel like – I mean, there's times whenever it's like, hey, this is the year we have to do it, right? The window's closing – it it doesn't feel like that's the case for them. So I don't know that you necessarily bring someone in that maybe changes some of the chemistry that you got going at this moment. I mean, there's times to do that. I feel like they're just starting to open the window. I don't feel like it's starting to close. So I'm, I imagine that has some type of effect on how how much pressure they feel there is to actually make a move like that. I completely agree. The only thing I will say is you have to imagine that Sam Presti looks at it and goes, we thought we had a big window. True. Back with Harden and Westbrook and Durant. And all it takes is a, is a weird drive to the basket or who knows what to, to totally change the window. So you're right. Patrick Beverly. If you got an if you got an opportunity, like if you feel like you got a legit shot, then like and I don't know what they feel like if they feel up there in that front office, like hey, you know we're scanning around, looking around the league. Well, it's not out of the question. Like we go win a championship, then you, without a doubt, you make that move. If if there's one there, though, I mean that's the thing is. There has to be a move to make before you just go do something, right? You don't just do something to do it. The The right move has to be there. I trust Sam Presti to make the proper decision. And will I be disappointed if they don't make a move? I don't think so. Will I completely overreact and say that they're going to go win the title if they do make a move? <laughs> You're gosh dang right I will. So we'll we'll see uh, with the trade deadline looming, but it is, and I've said this a lot, it's just so much fun to be back in the mix, man. What with their the two seed after the loss last night, there's an absolute log jam in the top four of the West. It's just it's so much fun to care this much again. I love it. I'm so happy. I love stressing about NBA basketball again. It's great. I don't know if it's good for my blood pressure, but I don't care. It's fun. Well, I'm in the mode where I don't stress about it until it's time to stress about it. If that makes sense. Um, I don't have, I don't have the patience or the ability to stress over it for such a long period of time. I need, I need to like a short ramp up stress period. And that's what I'll get when the playoffs start. Well, well, here's something that will cause you the proper amount of stress. The playoffs, with, with the way that the roster is constructed right now, the playoffs are going to come 
it's going to come down to whether Lou Dort and Josh Giddy can hit perimeter shots when they're not guarded. Yeah. I don't know if that stresses you out or not, but that's how it feels. Because if I was an NBA team, I would say, Giddy, shoot, shoot them all. We're not letting Shea get into, get to his spots in the mid-range game. We're going to overcommit to him. Dort, I know you're shooting in a high clip, but if Lou Dort beats us, then Prove Lou it. Dort beats us. Yeah. Prove it. Prove it that you could do it down the stretch when it matters. Like, it's one thing to do it, you know, uh, as your team's going into the all-star break, coming off the gas a little bit. It's another thing to do it in the playoffs. Whenever the pressure's on, you're on the road. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The last thing, uh, I would have loved to see Mark Dagnall get the honor of being the all-star game coach, but I kind of love that he didn't get it. Chris Finch from Minnesota gets the nod. Dagnall seems like a guy that would just file that away, you know? Yeah. File that away and say, okay, okay, yeah, I'll I'll remember this. I don't know, he just... Seems like a really smart, intelligent guy. He, all these people say incredibly complimentary things about him. He may end up being coach of the year, but just a little chip on the shoulder for the head man for the Thunder. Don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. Yeah, I I think it would have been good for him, for some notoriety, for the Thunder, for some notoriety, in case people hadn't noticed what they're doing. But... You know, I'm sure being able to take a, a little bit of a break isn't a bad thing for, for everyone. So I don't know how mad about it he necessarily is. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, all you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes and use promo code OKLAHOMA15 for 15% off your order. Filet, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, steak burgers, they got it all and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S. And Oklahomans get it in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O-line and D-line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch. Tradition tastes better. And head to the garage for hand-smashed Patty's butter-toasted buns and some ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it is the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Winner of the week has to be the turf company that got the uh, the order from the NFL to install a grass field over a perfectly fine turf field two weeks before the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Anytime someone like the NFL wants to just throw away millions of dollars for no reason. There's a big beneficiary. And this time it was, uh, whoever they, they selected to roll out a, a grass field on top of a turf field in just two weeks. What the hell are they doing? 
I who who couldn't tell that this was not going to work? That you do you try to install a field in just two weeks whenever they're supposed to have it done months before. It's crazy. The 49ers now that that's there are several reports. I saw Adam Schefter saying something about it. I think maybe he was on McAfee saying something about it. The 49ers are not happy about the field situation. It and shouldn't be. Do you, how much of a factor do you think it is that the Chiefs are at the Raiders facility? That thing looks so sweet. I haven't been there, but that thing looks so sweet. Meanwhile, they're at UNLV. <laughs> the field on top of the turf field is it just it just seems like a bad idea. It's the dumbest thing ever. I don't know why. I don't know why they thought that that was like, if they're going to do it six weeks out. Okay. That makes some sense. We can get this thing established, but it's, it's a, it's a massive waste of money. You're two weeks out. You probably have to pull the plug and say, Hey, you're, you're practicing on a turf field. Sorry. I've practiced at that facility before and I'm sure it's way better now. It's a fine facility. I mean, they've probably practiced on on turf all year anyways. Like, all of a sudden now they need to be on a grass surface before they play in the Super Bowl that is not going to mimic the grass inside the stadium at all. It's the, it's ridiculous. Like, whoever made that decision is a moron. I'm just like, sorry. I know there's a lot of pressure on them, and there was probably some factors that, that went on. Moron. Whoever the final decision maker that said yes, go ahead, moron. Tell us how you how you really feel. Well, it probably cost five million bucks. Uh, you don't just show up and roll out this, uh, and I don't know what kind of grass is. It's expensive grass. It's not like the Bermuda you buy at Lowe's to fill in a spot in your yard. Uh, it's super expensive. Come in. Huge process. Got to bring in a ton of dirt and topsoil and roll it out. Figure out a way to to water it and everything. Like to think that you could pull that off and it would be a decent field to practice on in two weeks. Moron. How do you think it affects? Th- does this affect your prediction? Let's do a little preview here. What do you What are you thinking? Where uh, as of Wednesday morning? Where are you leaning? Does the does the practice field issue, does it fuel the 49ers? Are they pissed about it? It fuels them to a Super Bowl victory. I There's no way you can quantify it. But I do think that when you go somewhere and things just aren't right, I it becomes a little more difficult to practice. It becomes uh, a little more like you, there is a, uh, like a coming together effect for whatever reason. And let's, I mean, let's be honest, the footing, it isn't going to matter. They're playing in the Super Bowl in a week. It's not like they're out there in a training camp practice at full go. Okay. So I don't think that that is going to actually be a factor, but I think the factor is the coming together effect you get from a team whenever 
you know, things aren't exactly how they're supposed to be. Like you, there's a natural feeling of we're falling behind the other team in preparation. So I think everyone dials in a little bit more and ultimately you have a team that's shockingly a little bit more prepared and a little better come game day. I mean, you've seen it in all kinds of stuff, whether it's whether it's bad weather or like travel was a nightmare. Oh, there's no way this team is going to win because of what they had to go through to get to wherever it is they're going. And then all of a sudden they show up and play this amazing game. It happens all the time. So you're going 49ers. Well, I I think that this is not a negative for them. I think it's actually a positive. How much of Answer a po- the question, Layman. Who are you picking? To win the football game? To win uh, to win the football game. I'll pick the 49ers. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, stick with my strategy of not picking against Patrick Mahomes. It's smart. And it's not really – It's. It was not- quite the flex when he said this. It was subtle, but it was a strong flex, a subtle strong flex. I know that that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but he said, you know, yeah, I've got my Super Bowl week routine. I'm just kind of sticking to it. It's like, damn, that's yeah. a that's that's a pretty boss statement right there. It is. It is. Is Brock Purdy really going to lead a team to a Super Bowl victory over Patrick Mahomes? I just—it's just hard to imagine. And I—I I, I think the 49ers, they have better weapons offensively, but there's no doubt. And you got to assume San Francisco is going to look at the Chiefs' offense and go, anybody but Travis Kelsey is going to beat us. Anybody. These other guys and Rice has played better in the playoffs. Uh, Valdez Scantley made a big catch in the AFC Championship game. Like they have, they've done some good things. But anybody but eighty-seven. Yeah. Which you know, I feel like isn't that what everyone says every week? You know, I, will Taylor Swift make it from Tokyo for the game? <laughs> like, there's all this. I, I just have a really tough time picking against the Chiefs in, in this spot, and it has. It's got everything to do with Mahomes, but also coming into this game, doesn't it feel like the Chiefs' defense is playing better than the 49ers? I know the 49ers have the names. They got the names. You line up the names on the on that defense, you're just looking at it going, damn, especially in the front seven. But I was just really impressed it. with the Chiefs' defense against Baltimore. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I totally agree with that. Now, it's going to be a different, like, the Chiefs defense is, the real strength is their back end. Their coverage is great. And I don't know, that doesn't really match up with what 49ers strength is on offense. Now, they have a good passing game, but it's all really generated from what they do in the run. And there's a there's way more underneath stuff. But, you know, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really good challenge, a really good game. Um, I don't know. I I was just – when you said, will Brock Purdy really win a Super Bowl, lead a team to a Super Bowl? Did you see the guy that said 
I've been trying to figure out who Brock Purdy looks like, and it finally hit me. It's Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> I, I saw it. Did you? There was someone that quote tweeted and said, two guys that couldn't have done it alone." <laughs> oh, pretty good. Man. That's amazing. Yeah, I hey, you know, I think I think the 49ers have a really, really good formula. And for them, it will probably come down to how does their defensive line play and can they put pressure on Patrick Mahomes? Because they got the names up front, but it hasn't really looked like it should from that group in in recent weeks. Like Bosa, Young, like those guys have to be able to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. If they don't, well, then we kind of know what's going to happen. The tackles, when you look at Kansas City's offensive line, the tackles are undoubtedly the weakness. But I just trust Andy Reid to protect them. Because Bosa's a dude. You know, Chase Young, eh, he's not what everyone thought he was going to be, but he's still a, you know, a physical specimen. But I, I just trust Andy Reid to put those guys in good situations with formations, with chips, with backs and tight ends. I, I'm just not going against Mahomes, man. I'm just not doing it. I think that when you look at – when you look at the – both offenses and both defenses in the game. Kansas City's got the best quarterback. And I think Kansas City's got the best defensive player as well. I think Chris Jones is the best defensive player in this game. So I, I know football's the ultimate team game, but I'm just trying to come up with ways to justify the fact that I'm picking Kansas City to win the football game over a 49ers team who I think has more talent than them. Yeah. Well... <sighs> They don't have more talent in the spot that matters the most. You know, like you can you can go up and down the roster and say edge here, edge there. I mean, it's not a massive advantage in in one spot over the other until you get to the quarterback spot. And when it comes to talent, talent level, skill level experience in this type of game and this type of moment level it ain't close you could you you can't select two polar opposites better than what you have at quarterback in these two games now i'm just that's just from from that standpoint now i think that brock purdy obviously plays really well within the framework of that offense i mean you you i know that he takes a lot of arrows for whatever reason that he's not some great playmaker they don't ask him to be and he doesn't need to be so that doesn't really matter in my opinion you've got the 49ers i'll take the chiefs any other thoughts gonna be a fun sunday i'm excited uh well yeah i do is my loser Ooh, go ahead well i guess it's not necessarily loser but do do all of the distractions matter to Kansas City? You got Mahomes being asked about his dad getting the the DUI. You got the Kadarius Tony situation. You know you've got. I know we've had like the Taylor Swift conversation going on all season, but it's the Super Bowl, and 
it's like every single journalist in the world is there and it becomes more even more of a circus than it has been like if anyone's equipped to handle it it's the chiefs but it's still a lot of things floating around and i know mahomes has been there but and and he could say that it's it's has it affected him at all but he's spending emotional capital somewhere other than the football game right he wasn't he couldn't have been thrilled with the timing of what went down right are you going to be able to look at how he plays on sunday and say that's what happened no but it's just all of these things kind of piled up is that is that something that matters to Kansas City it uh, there's a lot of distractions there's no doubt but i don't know i just trust the guys on that team i trust Andy Reid yeah that's the experience factor the experience factor you know they have a routine that they know that works and i just trust Andy Reid and Spagnola to have those guys locked in the way that they need to be locked in when it comes to the preparation. And this isn't the first time Mahomes has had to deal with distractions in his personal life. His brother, his brother was an issue. Well, hang on. It's only Wednesday. (laughs) Good point. Good point. (laughs) But he handled that situation well and played really, really good football with all that stuff going on. So I, I think that he is he's the type of guy that you're gonna be able to work through that, no problem. And now, if they end up losing and he doesn't play well, will that be something that's discussed? Sure. Of course. If Kelsey doesn't play well, will people be asking, was he so worried about Taylor Swift making it from Tokyo? Sure, that's gonna come up, but I just think that organization knows exactly how to handle the preparation for this game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know better than anyone. Once you get out in the field, you forget about all that stuff. There's no doubt about it. I And, you know, let's say Kansas City loses and Mahomes doesn't play well. It'll probably be a question after the game, but it'll probably boil down more to how did his tackles play against Bosa and Young? All right, I mean, that's... Yeah, I, no, I wasn't thinking about my dad's legal issues when jo- <laughs> when Bosa was hitting me. Wait, Nick Bosa. Joey, Nick, Nick, when he was just smoking me in the face, that's what I was concerned about. Like, yeah. you know, it, ultimately it comes down to what happens in between the white lines. It should be a really good game though. I mean, honestly, the matchup is it, it I think it should be a, a close game throughout. You never know what, what could happen, but I don't really like in, in, Previous seasons in past years, I may say this could be one where Kansas City shows up and just throws up a huge amount of points, you know, through the air and and Mahomes scrambling around. But that's not the type of offense they are anymore. They're a different football team. So I feel like it's going to be somewhat low scoring and come down to the fourth quarter. I think they're doing the thing where they – grow the grass outside and water it and all that, and then they roll it into the stadium. I think that's how it works in in Vegas. I think so. Let's hope that we're not talking about the field when we recap on Sunday night. Well, I don't So think- many guys slipped, oh, that resulted in... I, I don't want the field to be a factor, dang it. 
Well, I guess last time it was a big deal before that they had switched the turf up, right? Right. Because the NFL really likes to screw its shit right before the Super Bowl, <laughs> like they did with the 49ers and their practice facility. Like you would think that maybe they learned their lesson and, you know, they did it all season there. Hopefully they just kind of rolled with whatever their standard operating procedure is, but we know that that's often not the case. Hopefully it's not a factor. I would, that's if how we I would prefer it. Come out and say, wait till you see this amazing new grass that the NFL installed for the Super Bowl. That's whenever we've got to start worrying about things. Exactly. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. For my winner of the week, thought about going with sports fans, I think. Did you see this, Ted? ESPN Fox. Warner Brothers Discovery announced that they're going to do a combined streaming app for all the sports content. I didn't see that. I I huh. think it's a good thing. So it's all the ESPN stuff, uh, all the Fox stuff, with which includes you know, like Big Ten Network, that type of stuff, SEC with the ESPN. I don't know. The, all in everything, one spot? Like everything that they cover? That's just... Yes. Huh. Uh, that's that's how I understood it. So I I think it's a good thing. Now you got to get NBC and Peacock on board and then you got CBS for the NFL stuff and college basketball stuff. You got to get those into the mix as well to have everything you need. But yeah, I think it's a bundling of all the sports content from what I understand. Here's the 15 networks, ESPN, ESPN plus ESPN two, ESPN, U, SEC network, ACC network, ESPN news, ABC, Fox, FS one, FS two, big 10 network, TNT, TBS, true TV. So true TV, that's hoops, right? Yeah. Remember some of those first, the, the NCAA tournament games are on true TV and a lot of them are on TNT and TBS. So, good thing, I think. It's a, it sounds awesome. But I feel like there's going to be a number attached to it at some point that's going to be more than it is now. But I don't know. You, you believe the price will increase? Yeah. Which... One- you know, Whatever. One interesting it, it thing to think about, anyways. Yeah. Well, one interesting thing to think about is 
live sports rights moving forward with this. If all these people are have the same interests, I just don't know how that that works when it comes to the bidding process for the NFL rights, for the NBA rights, for college football rights. I don't know, but yeah, it is. It it also makes you feel kind of a certain way about the thought that, and this is this has been the hot topic hot rumor is that college football's all going to one TV deal. You know, like the NFL is and it's not going to be it's not going to be conferences divvied up between different networks. It's all going to be one together product and maybe this is gearing up for that. I don't know. It's going to be a hell of an app if it ends up working out. I yeah. I don't know. They haven't announced what it's going to be called or anything like that, but I don't know. It sounds kind of fun. I would love it if they could figure out a way to where the volume level for the game is at the same level as the commercials because it's usually game and then commercials blow the speakers out of your uh, sound system that you listen to the game on. And I would also like it if they could figure out the pause and rewind to make it like my direct TV. If they could fix those two issues, I would be thrilled, but we'll see. See, seemed like simple requests, yeah. but my winner of the week, Bobby Witt Jr. Whew. Star shortstop for the Kansas city Royals signed him to an 11 year. $288.7 million deal, biggest contract in franchise history. I guess it includes an option to where this number can get to $377.7 million. Baseball contracts are strange. I'm not entirely sure how that all works. That's just but, an extra $90 million in there somewhere. <laughs> but incredible player if you follow baseball. And let's not forget, he was committed to play baseball at OU. Ted, guess who I saw on the field? After OU Texas, after OU's exciting win in the 2023 season against the Longhorns, guess who I saw on the field? Toby Keith. Yes. <laughs> and Bobby Witt Jr. Ah, he's an OU guy, man. So I'm uh, I'm fired up, and it's it's a funny story. His sister is well, my wife was a Kappa Kappa Gamma at OU. His sister was her G big. He had another sister that also dated and is now married to Cody Thomas. Oh, so this okay. is an OU squad, man. Uh, I mean, this wow. is an OU squad, and his oldest sister is married to Zach Neal, who played baseball at OU. And we became oh. boys when he was playing AAA uh, for the Nashville team. I was there when I was with the Titans. We became tight then. So, and it, it was funny. Wow. I saw this. I saw this announcement. And this was probably back in 2014, 2015. Zach told me, he said, hey, this he's probably going to be the first pick of the draft. He's incredible. He's going to make so much money playing baseball. And it's just one of those things. Zach is not an exaggerator. And I was like, damn, really? He's like, yeah. And then I saw this and nailed it. Nailed yeah, he it. was probably what, 14, 15 years old at the time or something? Yeah. No, of course, his dad played in the big leagues for forever, right? right? Bobby Witt, everyone, uh, a lot of people remember him, but it was one of those things where he said it. I was like, okay, yeah, 
Absolutely. Nailed it. Checked out. <laughs> Checked out. But that's, cool. that's awesome. Uh, I'm excited for Bobby Witt, and I'm sure OU Athletics will be hitting him up for a donation. Hey, man, I know you didn't exactly come here, but you love it. Come on. Yeah. Well, I, hey. I will reach out. I'll reach out and see if we can get him on the pod. That would be that'd be a lot of fun. That's for cool. my loser of the week. The Oakland A's. Look at me. Baseball theme in February. How about this? I know. I like it. I thought about going with Phil Mickelson just because I feel like a lot of people are saying he's a liar. Did you see what he said in the Live Golf Media Guide? Did you see no. that? There was this thing for each golfer. It's like how many hole, hole in once, holes in one, hole in once, hole in once. You have holes in holes in one. Is it is it like attorneys general? Yes, holes in. I think it's holes in one. Holes in one. He said he has forty-seven holes in one. For a reference point, Tiger claims twenty. Jack Nicholas claims twenty. Forty-seven for Phil. Phil is known, I think, or at least you get a feeling from listening to him talk that he could be one to stretch the truth, but I would, I would buy that 47 does kind of sound like a thrown together number though, which makes it more believable for me. I know. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's like out of all the numbers to throw out 47, that's pretty specific. It's like if you're going to stretch the truth truth on it, you can't end on a round number. You can't say, I've got 50. Okay, so you're saying that – so does the 47 number make you believe it more or less? Because there are there are people out there going, no, 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 no chance, Phil. Well, I don't – is there really no chance? I mean, think about it. Like, if we're not talking about in a – like an actual event – if it's just like this is game, not an event, this is just right. golfing in general. If it's just if it's just a um, in a round on a hole, you made it. You made a hole in one. I don't think that's a stretch at all. From one of the best golfers in history who plays nonstop every single day. I mean. Think about, I don't know what his home course is, but I'm sure he is freaking dialed on the par threes on that course. And if a guy's just throwing it at the pin constantly and has played thousands of rounds of golf, is out there right now at this moment, may have a hole in one as the ball's in the air right now. Oh, it just lipped out. I think about the the sheer number of opportunities he's had at it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's outlandish. Well, I mean, it's outlandish, but I don't think, I don't think it's impossible. You don't think he's a blatant liar is what you're saying. Okay. Oh boy. I think both things can be true. <laughs> I think he can be a blatant liar about, you know, money gambled or money lost or all kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that he's lying about this. Okay. I'm not saying it's true, but 
I'm not saying that it should just be dismissed as this is Phil being Phil. I think I, it's I think it's well, I think there's a chance that it's true. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I just want one. That's all I'm asking for. He's got 47. I just want one. By the time I die, we'll get one, Ted. Come on, don't worry. We gotta we gotta keep the faith. I know that if I ever get one, it's going to come in some type of unofficial capacity, like breakfast ball, breakfast ball, or, Oh, I talked in your backswing, dude, here, hit another one. You know, as you like, as you blade it into the Creek in front of you, Oh dude, I, I was talking in your backswing and then you hit another one and it's a hole in one. It's like, how do I count that? Is that, do I count it as a hole in one or did I just make a three? This is the way I see it. If I ever hit a tee shot into the hole under any circumstance, I am claiming it's a hole in one. <laughs> if it started on a tee, yes. it doesn't matter what happened before that. If it starts on a tee and goes into the hole, it's a hole in one. We could be sitting at a par three for an hour firing at it. If I make <laughs> it in one shot, I am claiming it. There is zero doubt, and all the golf purists can kiss my butt. <laughs> That's funny. That's Oakland good. Ace, loser of the week. So they're they're moving to Vegas, right? Plan is to build a one and a half billion dollar stadium close to the Strip there in Vegas. Well, the Las Vegas mayor isn't exactly thrilled with the idea. Mayor Carolyn Goodman. Said the A's stadium plan in Vegas, quote, does not make sense. And the A's, quote, got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true. She came back the next day and said, she clarified, she will welcome the A's if they come to Vegas. But you can't unsay what you said, Carolyn. No take backs. Now, from what I understand, she has no control over the strip, but still, Ted, not exactly a ringing endorsement from local leadership for the A's. This whole situation has just been a disaster, man. And I, I, I just, it does, it, it's not going well in any area for the Oakland Athletics right now. Isn't that like extremely fascinating? Uh, this may be the first time in history that a team that does not have a professional team in that, in whatever sport has said, yeah, yeah, no, we really, but it just doesn't necessarily make sense here. I I think she wants the stadium somewhere else in Vegas, not on the strip where it wouldn't be as congested and all that stuff, but maybe it has something to do with John Fisher, the A's owner doesn't exactly have a great reputation in the professional sports community. I don't know. And it's, it'd be interesting to see it. The Raiders football is different because you, you have Raiders fans kind of from all over that. I'm sure it's a destination. We're going to go to a game or two every year. You have, the Raiders are playing the Cowboys. Cowboys fans are going to come in and go to that game when they're playing in Las Vegas. Like, that's probably a huge generator of 
economic activity. But baseball, I don't know. I it, it's hard to know how that would work because A's fans, you got a ton of home games. Like, how many A's fans are going to be making the trips in, and are you really going to all of a sudden develop a bunch of A's fans? In Las Vegas, maybe I don't know, but I, it's I'm just trying to figure out why she is not really excited about it. But the other good point is they would, like, if you build it next to the strip, probably nothing happens. If you build it out off the strip, you can get some big, you know, influx of. Uh, bars, restaurants, housing, all kinds of things in that new area to drive maybe a little more, uh, you know, economic activity than just people coming to the strip, which, you know, which is a big thing, but I don't, I don't know. It's interesting why, why she framed it the way she did. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on with this entire thing. Uh, remember Oakland A's fans in Oakland, they would protest, the games by actually showing up, <laughs> yeah. which is one of my favorite things ever. I guess that John Fisher, the A's owner has not shared updated plans for the stadium in Vegas. The public financing piece of that deal in Vegas is being challenged in court. The A's are planning to leave Oakland after this season. The Vegas stadium is not supposed to be done. And it seems like a very ambitious timeline. Uh, they want it done for the 2028 season. Ted, guess where the A's are going to play between when they leave Oakland and when they open the Vegas stadium? I don't know. Could you use another pro? I have no idea. Well, neither do they because they don't know <laughs> where they're going to play. That plan has not been established. I was thinking like the most natural thing would be right there in San Francisco, but I, is that something that pro teams do? I, I, I don't know. It just does not feel like it's going well. I'm just saying that I did. It doesn't birthday shout outs. Happy first birthday to Andrew Wayne Palmer. Happy ninth birthday to Kai Turley. Happy 10th birthday to Colin Nader. Hollingsworth. Do we think that's a Collinator situation? Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Colin Nader Hollingsworth. I like that. Happy 23rd birthday to Kelsey Lambertson. Happy 45th birthday to Nang Hun. Happy 72nd birthday to Larry Bird Austin. On that note, episode 394 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, follow us on YouTube or follow us. Subscribe. I think mm -hmm. you subscribe. Subscribe and like on YouTube. Ted, we we have a TikTok that's got like 2,000 views. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all the stuff. Help us out, people. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.